You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 958 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening into Saturday morning. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Today's show will break down what became a 124 to 108 win for the Hawks in the Bay Area over the Warriors. A pretty solid, like almost dominant effort from the Hawks, leading by double digits most of the game and a comfortable win. At that, Atlanta with the win now is over 500 again at 23 and 22 after falling back to 500 with two straight losses. And interesting kind of backdrop for this game, plenty to get to in pregame. The Hawks had not visited the new stadium, Chase Center, in Gold- in San Francisco since it opened, which is uh, strange because they were the last team in the league to play there for the first time. Also, the Hawks Warriors haven't played since 2019, at least the calendar year 2019, because last year's second matchup got postponed due to the pandemic stoppage. And the Warriors come to town in Atlanta next week, but uh, it's been a while since these two teams have played against each other. Also, injury stuff was definitely at the forefront um, for the Hawks. That was unfortunate news that DeAndre Hunter did not play in this game. He's listed as probable on, on Thursday night with knee soreness after being off the injury report entirely for the previous game on Wednesday. Then he was downgraded to questionable midday on Friday and then ruled out by McMillan in pregame. McMillan did his best to downplay it. He did say that Hunter had some swelling in the knee. Uh, I would say there's no reason for panic just yet, but it's not ideal to go from off the injury report to probable to questionable and then to out. Um, they're hoping to have, have him back on Sunday against Denver, but that's something to at least keep an eye on. The Hawks, of course, you know, had some success in this game anyway, but obviously Atlanta's at their best when they have um, Hunter available, so that's one to keep an eye on. Also, Lou Williams did not play in this game. Um, I actually posted uh, the full audio from Travis Schlenk's uh, introductory press conference w- with regard to Williams and sort of the, the post-trade reactions. On, uh, on Friday afternoon, but some, you know, there were some headlines from that, but one of them was that Lou did not play in this game. He was not quite there yet. Um, he'll be joining the team at some point, they think, during the road trip, but no specifics on that. There are obviously protocols in place. They're not normally in place here, so that's one thing to keep an eye on. Also on the injury front, Schlenk said Chris Dunn is planning to have a live working on Monday, and they're hoping to have him back for the end of the trip, and then Cam Reddish, though, is still a ways off is the way that um, Schlenk described that, so not doing any impact and all of that. Uh, the other thing on, on Golden State side is that Steph Curry didn't play in this game, which we knew ahead of time. But the the Warriors are just a different team without Steph. Uh, he's obviously a two-time MVP and is an awesome player. But it goes without saying, I guess through that lens, but they're even worse than you might think. They have about a negative five, almost negative six net rating without Steph this season. It's bad, which is definitely uh, worth pointing out. The other thing that happened in pregame that I want to get to before we dive into the action is that the Hawks changed their starting lineup in this contest with Bogdanovich taking over at the two-guard spot. Not surprising really at all. I thought this was going to happen for a while and have said so on the podcast. At some point this season, Bogdanovich is the big ticket item, of course, in free agency. I think he's a better player than her at this point in time. And also, after two losses in a row and the way that Bogdanovich was playing, it was a good time to make that switch, kind of a logical point to do that. So um, also the first time off the bench for Kevin Herter since January 15th. So it had been a while, you know, two and a half months or so. But, you know, all returns were pretty solid in this game through that lens. Um, with all that said, you know, with, with, without Curry, also back-to-back for the Warriors, second game back-to-back, so they were probably gassed as well on some level. The Hawks were favored in this game by 6.5 points, according to our friends at BattleLine.ag, so a game the Hawks were supposed to win, quote-unquote, and they went out and took their business, so there you go on that. 
All right, before we dive into the blow-by-blow of what transpired here, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today, and the first of which is betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And while the NBA is the topic of this podcast, obviously there are all kinds of wagering options up and down the menu at BetOnline.ag. One of the main things right now is college basketball with March Madness in full swing up in Indianapolis and a ton of games to check out in that space. In addition to that, you have the NHL, you have golf, you have tennis, auto racing, MMA, whatever you like, you can find it at betonline.ag. And on top of the sports action, you can also wager on awards and TV shows and reality TV entertainment options up and down the board. You have all of those kind of things. And BetOnline also features real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. The prop markets are a lot of fun. If you don't have an opinion on the side or the total, the props give you another way to dive in on the action. And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. It's also free to sign up for an account. Head to the website right now at BetOnline.ag or use mobile device to sign up right now today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the site. Yes, it is a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code Locked On. One more time, that is promo code locked on for 50% more on your first deposit, but online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive in now to the game flow and what transpired. And as I said before, the Hawks led this game basically wire to wire. Um, it was an 11 to 5 run by Atlanta to open the game up. They had eight points in the paint and seven for Bogdanovich right out of the gate. Um, lighting it up, kind of targeting Jordan Poole, uh, Michigan's own Jordan Poole, I will say. Um, <laughs> but a questionable defender, to be sure. Um, the Warriors were blitzing Trey Young to try to get the ball out of his hands for most of this game, especially early on. That was kind of effective, but also not. Trey had a great assist game, and uh, they, they couldn't rotate behind that. You know, the Warriors, um, I, I will say this, the Warriors were a top 10 defense coming into the game. They did not play like one. They were not very good, and the Hawks took full advantage of that. Um, credit to Atlanta for playing very well, but that was uh, not effective game plan-wise for Golden State. Um, there was some foul trouble for Bogdanovich in the early going. In fact, that's why he didn't play quite as much as you might have thought in this game. 21, 21 minutes because he was in foul trouble the entire game. He had two fouls in the first six minutes, then got his third before the end of the first half. But Atlanta led 21-12 to 12, um, out of the gate, forced two timeouts in that period of time, opened 8-12 of 12 from the floor. They just shot the lights out in this game throughout. Um, rotationally, they went to Solomon Hill back in the rotation with Hunter out of the game. He was kind of actually basically was back at three in this spot. Um, and then they had, they had a Kongwu as the backup center, although only for one stint. And then he played the very end garbage time, but that was uh, noteworthy to me as well. They kind of rolled with John Collins as the backup center in the second half, which was a perfectly reasonable decision. Um, there was a nice sequence late in the quarter from a Kongwu who had a, a great, a great defensive play, walling off the rim on one end of the floor and then finishing off a pass from Young on the other. A nice little flash there from a Kongwu. But the Hawks led 33-26 at the end of the first quarter. Young was very good in the first quarter, 10 points and 5 assists. Also played some pretty co- pretty competitive de- uh, defense as well. Played the entire quarter to lead the Hawks to a nice start. And Atlanta was 12-18 from the floor. Scored almost 1.4 points for possession in the first quarter. Um, they did let the Warriors score at a better rate than you would expect, which is kind of a theme the entire game, actually. Kind of quietly, the Hawks defensively were not... Like totally dominant in this game. It just didn't matter because the offense was so good throughout. Um, second quarter, they played with a bench lineup that was a full bench unit, the only time in the entire game. That, they were actually minus one in that stretch. It wasn't a disaster, but I probably wouldn't do that again. I kind of said as much, and they didn't do it again, um, which was probably smart in this spot. They led by um, a 44-33 margin in short order, getting the lead in double, di- double digits. A kind of a funny floater that Solomon Hill made that was deflected up into the air, way in the air, that went in, which is kind of a funny moment. But other than foul trouble, not a whole lot uh, for Bogdanovich, I will say. Not a whole lot of negativity in that second quarter. A 14-2 run that kind of, 
I won't say they put the game away, but it put the game in a spot where the Hawks were going to be in control the entire rest of the way, which is definitely what transpired. At the end of that run, Atlanta led by 21 points late in the first half. They shot 68% for about the first 22 minutes. Um, good passing from Trey Young in, in particular. John Collins opened the night 7 of 7 from the floor. And uh, spoiler alert, he had a fantastic game, a career high for John Collins, who was fantastic throughout the game. Um, but the Hawks led by 18 going into the locker room at the first half mark. They shot the ball incredibly well, scored almost a point and a half for possession, which is elite. They had 38 points in the paint in the first half, which is a mind-blowing figure when you realize the Hawks only average 46.8 points per game in the paint. So they almost got there in the entire first half, and they were getting anything they wanted at the rim against this Warriors team. Also, they dominated the defensive glass, which is a point of contention the entire game, and probably the reason why the Hawks were able to maintain some decent defensive efficiency in this spot. But uh, Collins had 16 in the first half. Trey had a double-double in the first half, 16-10, and 10, and the Hawks were in very good shape. Um, coming out of the locker room, it was kind of a weird third quarter, um, both overall and especially in the early, like, first seven, eight minutes of the third quarter. The Warriors actually won the third quarter, 32-30, but it was marked by runs uh, on both sides. The Hawks scored the first six points on a Snell three and then a Trey Young three-point play to go up 24 and kind of threaten to run away and hide. But then the Warriors responded with nine straight of their own, kind of lead back to 15. Collins finally missed a shot, and that was actually kind of one that was weird because he was, I, thought, I thought he was fouled. It was not called. Um, but then Wiggins hit two, hit two threes. McMillan did not look pleased with, by the defense there. After a stop, though, um, the Hawks re- responded with a nice ATO play for Bogdanovich for a mid-range jump shot that scored. They got a stop from there. Capella got a layup, and then Collins hit a three. So that was a 7-0 response to the 9-0 run by the Warriors, and suddenly the Hawks were by, up by 22 again. But then... The Warriors responded with seven straight points of their own. So the entire start of the first half, sorry, the second half was 6-0 by the Hawks, 9-0 by the Warriors, 7-0 by the Hawks, 7-0 by the Warriors in the first six minutes. So uh, Larry Drew would have been proud, a game of runs in that uh, beginning stretch of the second half. But from there, kind of settled in a little bit and um, some pretty interesting officiating and interesting, I'm probably using as a negative in in this one. There was a bad continuation call that they gave to Wiseman, some weird inconsistencies in this game. I thought it didn't really matter, but I just want to at least make it, make it known that I thought that was definitely the case at points in the third quarter in particular. But uh, Solomon Hill had back-to-back threes coming out of a timeout after a really good design on a hammer set, actually, the first one. And then he had another one on the left wing to, to give the Hawks a 21-point lead again, and that was kind of safe from that point forward. The Hawks led um, the entire way, basically, but they got to 100 points with about a minute to go in the third quarter, which is usually a good sign. Uh, they actually had a brutal end to the quarter. It didn't bite them, but they got they were up they were up by 19. Got a stop, and Trey Young tried to push the ball off of, off of a stop to get the, a shot off by the end of the third quarter. But he turned the, he turned the ball over on, a, on the behind the back dribble at mid court, and Nico Manny had a, bu- had a, butter be- a buzzer beating three at the end of the third to cut the margin down to 16. There were some shades of Luke Kennard the other day in uh, in Los Angeles. It didn't matter in this game. Uh, that was just one of those like kind of weird swings and that you would have you definitely would have circled that if the Hawks had lost this game or if they, if it even got close it just didn't so it didn't end up mattering but Atlanta led by by 16 through three and uh, shot the ball incredibly well the fourth quarter was like largely uneventful it was 24 24 it was a slower pace there was some garbage time we'll talk about like what, ha- what happened at the until it actually stopped mattering it was a bench unit to start the fourth quarter um, as it was in a second but this time around a key change they went with Collins to anchor that group instead of a Kong Wu, which was the right decision to kind of put the game away. Um, Collins had a three-point three play on the first possession, blowing right through Kavon Looney. Collins scored the first seven points of the fourth quarter, and it was really good to see, I think on purpose, and even McMillan said this after the game, 
going after some matchup stuff with Collins and emphasizing him. That's something that I've called for a lot. I know Tyler Jones mentioned this to me on Twitter. Obviously, a friend of the program, Tyler, is. And uh, he knows this as well. You know, <laughs> the Hawks, I've said a number of times, have just kind of inexplicably gone away from Collins in second halves or in fourth quarters. And it's kind of been maddening. In this game, they went right to John. And that was a big swing in the game. Not that it was going to be too perilous, but him coming out and scoring the first seven in the fourth set a tone and that kind of allowed them to carry that second unit until the starters got back in the game and then it was over in short order. There was one mini hiccup with a bad turnover that led to a layup by by Manuel with fifth, uh, about five and a half minutes to go. But even then, it was to cut the lead to, to 15, so they were still in very, in very safe shape at that point in time. But from there, Collins scores again over Pascal and then hits another three momentarily after that to set a new career high and put the game basically away. So the final like absolute dagger was probably an offensive rebound by Capella and a putback to go by 21 with three and a half minutes to go. And then it was uh, basically all garbage time from there. So obviously the box score tells the story on some level. The Hawks won this game comfortably. They led comfortably the entire way. And offensively, it was uh, pretty impressive in the spot. As I said before, the Warriors are a top 10 defense this season. Um, they're very bad on offense, which we'll come back to in a second. But the Hawks, 60 points in the paint. Um, they shot the ball incredibly well throughout the contest. Um, 55% from the floor, 39% from three. Uh, that was even better through three quarters. They kind of they kind of tailed off in the fourth one. Didn't matter, but about 66% true shooting mark. That's obviously elite. The Hawks ended up scoring almost 1.3 points per possession, which is an elite figure against anybody. They had 31 assists as well on 46 made baskets. So good ball movement throughout the game. Not a whole lot of nitpicking to do offensively. Only 10 turnovers. Offensive glass wasn't a huge part of this, but it just, it, when, you, when you shoot as well as the Hawks did, it's hard to get offensive rebounds, which is probably worth pointing out. So uh, no qualms about the offense through really, really the entire game. They were pretty good all night long. Um, defensively, it wasn't as good. I, I don't want to dwell on this too much because this is a nice win for Atlanta, but any thought that the Hawks were good defensively in this game was probably not accurate. Uh, the Warriors had a, 60, had a 60% true shooting, and if you do that, you don't normally see a team lose by 16, especially in their home building when they shoot like that. But uh, so the Warriors, It wasn't as if the Hawks got a ton of stops. What they did do, though, and credit to the Hawks, especially Capella and Collins, was they dominated the defensive glass in this game. The Warriors had five offensive rebounds in the entire game. I believe it was only one in the first half, maybe maybe two in the first half. Um, but that's about 11%, 12% offensive rebound rate, which is like absolutely meager. So the Hawks uh, were dominant there, and that allowed them to overcome the bad, uh, sorry, the bad defensive shooting numbers. Obviously, the Warriors shot the ball very well. The Hawks, Hawks also won the turnover battle in this game, 14 to 10, and the Warriors missed some free throws as well. But uh, at the end of the day, the Hawks did enough defensively. They still allowed about 1.12 points per possession to a Curryless Warriors team, which is pretty bad. But you know, offensively, when when you're firing on all cylinders like that, it's a lot easier to uh, take that. So, a nice win. Obviously, we'll come back to uh, in a second with more individual breakdowns from where the players played in this game. But I want to just stress, like, it was a brilliant offensive performance from the Hawks, especially from Collins, and we'll get to him more in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors, including our good friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is fantastic. I always say that, and it's absolutely the case. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market, and for me, the best tasting protein bar ever. And Built Bar is low calorie, it's low sugar, it's high protein and high fiber. It tastes fantastic and has 100% chocolate on all of its bars. And now we are in the middle of Built Bar Madness at BuiltBar.com, and it's time to find out which Built Bar is the absolute best. 
today's matchup you can vote on by again visiting builtbar.com or going to at bar underscore built on Twitter. The matchup is Cookie Dough Chunk against Birthday Cake. Two of my favorites. Birthday cake is definitely sweet, but I do enjoy it. And Cookie Dough Chunk is fantastic as well. So I will not even weigh in. Honestly, both are very good. So personal preference comes down on this one. And that is the whole point of the bracket. But you can go now and vote on that matchup. And as well, you can have a, a discount from us. If you use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your next order with Built Bar. That is LOCKED15, 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. And from there, check back to see who won today's matchup. It will become the best tasting protein bar in the business. One more time, that is the promo code LOCKED15. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. Okay, and we'll end the show with some individual breakdowns as well as some trade stuff from the Travis Schlenk call on Friday afternoon. Um, the bench was not dominant in this game. It wasn't bad either, but not a ton going on off the bench. Um, the brightest spots, I thought, at least compared to the normal baselines, were Solomon Hill and Danilo Gallinari. Gallinari was just not a huge part of the team in this spot. I mean... His usage was probably down in this game, but still had 12 points on 5-9 shooting. It was plus 5, 2-4 from the floor. A couple of weird decisions and no rebounds, which is noteworthy. But had an assist. I thought he played fine. He had four fouls, but a couple of nice, uh, a couple of, I would say, big shots, only semi-big shots to stop runs, stuff like that. He was fine in this game. Solomon Hill, after not playing at all on Wednesday, came back and played well in this game. Made a couple plays defensively, had two steals, had a block, had an assist, made two threes. Wasn't like a superstar performance from from Solomon Hill, as it never is going to be. But uh, the Hawks, it's, it's one of those things I think I mentioned before. But if Hunter is back, Hill probably doesn't need to be in the rotation, and I don't, I don't think he's going to be if everybody's healthy. Um, but on this night, they needed him to be at least solid off the bench, and he definitely was, which was good to see. Elsewhere in reserve, you had Skylar Mays was the backup point guard. As McMillan kind of said before the game, that was going to be the plan. He was fine. He had four rebounds, four points, three and plus three in 12 minutes. He played two stints, made, made his only three-point attempt. Um, it wasn't like he was, obviously, spectacular, but he did his job, held down the backup point guard minutes, kind of did enough while Trey was off the floor, and uh, a good sort of fill-in job there as they paved the way for Lou Williams to come back, um, as he is coming very soon. Um, Kevin Herter not, did not particularly play well in this game, was one of nine from the floor and one, and one of six from three, so 0 of, 0 of three on twos. Did have five assists, so some good ball movement there. Ironically, it was the game best plus 26. I don't think he earned that one. <laughs> that's one of those uh, single game plus minus things that's definitely out of whack a little bit, but I think he was better than the shooting numbers indicate, but also didn't play particularly well in this game other than the passing. Um, and the other, only other guy that played rotation minutes was, was a Kong Wu. He played nine minutes, two points, two rebounds, um, did have two fouls, minus six. I thought he was okay. Um, he flashed a little bit more at the end of his first stint, and then only got uh, the rest of his game was only just garbage time in the fourth. So not, not too much to get, take away from that, but that's the right approach. I think the Hawks are going to s- still give a backup center, probably a Kongwu most of the time, at least one stint, maybe two stints in the game, and then also use Collins as backup center, and that's what I will be doing as well. You want to throw a Kongwu out there? Some. I'm definitely an advocate for that, but not going to be uh, playing him a ton in like pivotal second half minutes. So I'm okay with all of that approach. Elsewhere, you know, Goodwin played two minutes, as did Fernando. Knight played three minutes, so nothing else to say about those guys, really. They, they, they got in the game at the end. Goodwin played, took three shots, and that was basically all that. Um, to the starters, and obviously these are the headliners in this game. The quietest guy was Tony Snell, as often. Uh, did have five points. It's a very Tony Snell line. Five points, two of two from the floor, one of one from three, three rebounds, two assists, plus 13. Uh, Tony Snell leads the league in three-point shooting still. He has been out of his mind as a shooter, but other than that... Super low usage, obviously, but did his job, 3 and D uh, to the max. Um, Bogdanovich was quiet because of the foul trouble 
Again, played fewest minutes of any starter. Actually played less than Herter in this game because of the fact that he was um, on, on the bench because of fouls and then didn't play the uh, crunch time minutes because there, were, because there weren't any. So 21 minutes, 11 points, 5 assists though, good passing, a couple nice uh, mid-rangers. Actually was 4-4 on twos, 1-5 on threes, so was at least reasonably efficient. I thought he played well, and we'll see more of him as he's not in foul trouble. And then uh, Click Capella, 18 points, 15 rebounds, 3 blocks, 2 steals. Um, defensively, he was uh, only so-so in this game, I think, other than the blocks. But rebounding-wise, him and Collins were dominant on the glass, and uh, he finished very well, which is encouraging for him. Uh, Trey Young, 20, 21 points, 15 assists, 4 turnovers, which is totally fine, plus 13. Didn't have it going from three, was one of six, but other than that, was like, you know, five, eight on twos, eight of nine from the free throw line. I thought Trey played well in this game. Obviously, the assists pop off the screen to you when you see that 15 number, um, but I thought he was good, especially in the first half. He cooled off a little bit in the second half, had a couple, a couple of uneven plays in the third quarter, I thought, but other than that, like, no complaints. I thought Trey played very well. He wasn't the star of this game in the way that he often is, but he was definitely the number two guy on offense and uh, made everything made everything happen. And as I said before, the Warriors were definitely trying to wall him off and double him a little bit, and he played the right way, getting out of that with lots of uh, quality passes and made things count from there. And then Collins, the headliner, a career-high 38 points. It's been a running joke for quite some time now. John Collins' career-high before this was 35 points, which he had which he had done four times. And it seemed like every time he did that, or even got close, he would have it with like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter and just never score again. Graham Chapel, good friend of the podcast from Peachtree Hoops, who's been on the show before, um, has been tracking this forever from Ireland. Kind of every time he gets close, he'll pop in the Slack channel and talk about it or tweet about it. And uh, Graham, I'm sure, was asleep during this one because this is a late night game and he's five hours ahead. So he'll be waking up to see this number and probably celebrating before he watches the game back. But anyway, um, Colin, 38 points, 12 rebounds. Two assists and a uh, and a steal. Um, he was he was awesome. Honestly, I mean, he's often really good, but he was so efficient in this game. Fourteen and nineteen from the floor, four or five from three, six or seven from the free throw line. Just across the board, dominant offensively. They had no answers. Like he went through Eric Pascal a couple times in the second half. Wiseman could not even pretend. Uh, Draymond Green, by the way, who didn't he did not attempt a shot in this game. And if you watch the local broadcast, the Fox Sports Southeast, I know, I know, I know this is an ESPN game, so I'm sure a lot of people watch that broadcast, but if you watch the, sport, the Fox Sports Southeast, Southeast broadcast, um, you would have heard Bob and Neek uh, going going after Draymond, who made some comments this week about how he uh, was the best defender of all time. Uh, that was a running joke throughout the broadcast, and uh, it was not a good night for Draymond, who was apparently sick, according to Steve Kerr, but still. Um, Collins, moral of the story, they had no answers for Collins. He was awesome. Uh, even defensively, I thought he played, I thought he played very well, um, rebounding-wise as well, but... 38 points, you can't fake that. Um, he had it all going in this game, and like I said, it's good to see them emphasizing that. I've thought a number of times this year, and even dating back years, that they've gone away from him. Even in the recent past, even in the last couple of weeks, they've done this, where they where he, he'll have it going, they'll go away from him for too long and kind of lose the plot. That never happened in this game, so credit to the Hawks, credit to Collins for being awesome, and he was the headliner of this game. Anyway, um, a nice, nice effort. By the way, uh... I, one more stat here, and this is actually about Trey. I meant to mention earlier. This is from ESPN Stats and Info. Uh, Trey has 57 games in his career with 20 and 10 uh, in the assist market. Um, that's only one shy of LeBron and James Harden for the most during that span. And that's, you know, it kind of tells you it's just kind of a one off number, but uh, Trey's been so productive, and that's crazy. And also the fifth game this season with 30 and 10 for Collins on top of the career high. So. With the win, the Hawks are now tied for fifth place as I record this in the Eastern Conference with the Knicks. Um, only a half game behind the Hornets. It's all very, very close. 
in the Eastern Conference as it has been the entire time, but the Hawks are in perfectly fine shape. McMillan kind of talked about how their goal, at least reasonable goal, was to play 500 ball on the road, and they're doing that right now, which, you know, on this trip, at this point, um, I know the two losses were both very winnable. In fact, they absolutely should have won at least one of them, if not both. But even then, you know, you get, you get some wins here, you bank some wins. Lakers, you win this game. Uh, they're doing what they need to do on this road trip. That's kind of all you can ask. So, before we get out of here on this uh, very deep into the night episode, um, I want to repa- recap a couple of highlights from the Travis Schlenk call. Again, the full audio is up on the on this podcast feed if you want to find it. Uh, I kind of just dropped the whole thing on there, but... Um, a few highlights here. Schlenk said they didn't plan to go in the week to trade Rondo, which I actually believe. As I said on the show last night, I think the Clippers were only pretty much the only team in the league that I could see trading for Rondo as a positive value contract because they were rumored to like him before, and uh, that all made sense. But I, I do believe that Schlenk did not go into the week plan to get rid of get rid of Rondo in the way that he was saying. He, he was also co- uh, very complimentary of Rondo and what he brought to the organization, but he did reference the appeal of those two draft picks on numerous occasions during the availability. Schleich also said that he was, quote, a softie for draft picks, end quote, which was kind of a funny one. <laughs> uh, it was kind of, I mean, I think it's probably right, but it's just kind of a funny thing to hear somebody say out loud. He talks about Lou Williams as a scorer and a creator off the bench and acknowledged um, plainly a couple times that Trey has, uh, sorry, not that Trey's been a problem, but that offense has been a problem with Trey off the court this season, and uh, they're hoping that Lou can sort of address that, particularly with, with his creation off the bench. He also said that sometimes the best moves are the ones that you don't make, which was a reference to Collins and whatever else you would imagine. And they didn't want to shake things up too much with the way the team's been playing recently. Schleich said that they are, uh, that despite a ton of speculation about Collins, that they were, quote, steadfast, end quote, in viewing him as a big part of the team for the future, which is something you just have to say, and I totally get that. Um, the headliner beyond that, though, is that he said, I'm, I'm going to quote here from Travis, we never had any serious conversations with any team about moving him this year, end quote. So I'll, I'll just say this. I, I don't really believe that. Um, and I don't think most people around the league do either. Now, I think that there's definitely a difference between shopping him and listening. And I've pointed that out a number of times. I think the Hawks were definitely more listening than shopping the entire time. But it's a little bit interesting that you would say they've never had any conversations because of there was so much smoke, including like national folks saying that I thought he was going to be moved for sure. You know, whether that means they got to the 20 yard line or anything is different, but that was one of those things that you just, ha- you kind of have to say, I don't really believe that to be true. I think they probably had the conversations that got to some, at some level on Collins, but there you go. And the other thing that's not really believable, I don't think is that Schlenk said that they, uh, that the factor, sorry, that Rondo's future money was not a factor at all. I don't believe that. <laughs> uh, they're not going to say that ever, but uh, I, he, he did say that. I rolled my eyes, as did everybody else, that I think, that was listening to that quote. Again, you, you could argue that it wasn't a huge factor, or maybe it wasn't the override. In fact, last night I mentioned that the impact, actually, um, doesn't really... There's not a huge impact, unless you're talking about the luxury tax, and or if Collins were to leave. But if Collins stays, the impact of that of that money being gone is like not huge. But to say it wasn't a factor, is that there's no way that's true. Because um, Rondo being a negative value, negative value contract, I'm sure played into things on some level. Also, this is not a Schlenk quote, but this is something that Lou Williams said uh, on Instagram. Um, it's still up. So Lou said he, he sort of admitted that he thought about retiring yesterday. As I talked about last night on the podcast, there was some buzz. You know, Lou kind of threatened to retire at one point um, if he was traded at some point. It wasn't like, This wasn't yesterday. This was well before that. But he again brought that up. So, like I said, there was a little bit of noise yesterday as it was going down that the Hawks may not keep him. 
um, may buy him out. He might retire. Something like that. It wasn't like, it wasn't definitive, but at least uh, that quote from Lou uh, today on Friday on Instagram kind of backs that up. To th- at least he admitted that he was thinking about that. So it was like not a not a certainty. I think it probably helped that it was the Hawks, his local team that he's played for. Obviously, he's, he was here before and like it didn't go all that well. But I think that's probably a good selling point to have him come to come back to Atlanta. Where if if he had gone somewhere else, maybe he would have just retired or not showed up or something like that, but he's coming. Schlenk was pretty consistent about talking about the fact that he'll be the backup point guard. We see the backup creator. And uh, if you, again, if you want to hear that entire audio, it is available on this channel. Okay. I've rambled on enough. It's very late into the night here on Friday into Saturday. The Hawks now are returning to action on Sunday in Denver, 9 PM game there. Um, Denver traded famously for Aaron Gordon and JaVale McGee before the deadline on Thursday. And they also won in new Orleans tonight without those guys. So a good challenge for the Hawks, but Jokic is playing, you know, MVP caliber basketball. I will say Capella has done a good job on Jokic in the past, dating back to Houston. So that's a matchup to keep an eye on, but uh, that'll be a fun challenge for the Hawks. Uh, I will say that's the best team they played. Um, maybe it's them. It's them. Obviously the Clippers were pretty good too. So it's the, it's one of those two and they lost the Clippers game. So if they get the win against Denver, it'd be, it'd be their best win in quite some time if they were to get that win on Sunday. But obviously we'll talk about that game much more when it happens. Um, in the meantime, you know, emergency podcasts are fewer and far between because no transactions can really happen between now and the end of the season. Obviously, it does not rule anything out, but uh, I'm not going to be on red alert in the same fashion, but I'll still be here consistently, you know, four or five times a week. It'll be happening, and uh, the next podcast, for sure, barring an emergency, will be on Sunday night after that game. So please subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate everyone's already listening, listening on a regular basis, but subscribing is a good thing. Um, downloading, uh, you can rate and review. You can tell a friend, all of that fun stuff. I appreciate all of the support. Um, check out Built Bar, check out betonline.ag, and we'll see you after the game on Sunday.